Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Been to the you know NFC Championship game the last couple of years. Ah, it doesn't mean anything. He can't help that his coach is an idiot. <laughs> I mean, he can't help that the buffoons he's had coaching him. Yeah. So that's what I'm telling Pirate Nation today. Relax. Chill. It's one game, people. It's a game of baseball. You're 16 and four. Now, I, I don't like the fact they lost to Carolina. Did you see, by the way, it's like the bread championship, you know, the one they made up. <laughs> they said they were number 11 in some poll. Did you see that? Who's that? UNC? Yeah, it was like in their notes. Wow, that's like, a big jump from 25 or 24. And then the ACC network. So I watched, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of radio. I'm on the radio. Yeah. I listen to games as much as I can on radio because I just prefer that. Yeah. But I it was on TV. It was just easier to watch it last night in between my wife wanting to watch Below Deck Sailing Yacht. <laughs> and as I'm watching the game last night, I see where they, the AC, in between the infomercials and the call to action ads for alien tape or whatever, I get you know, the, the network, ACC network, saying that they're 24th. They weren't even buying the number 11 ranking. Again, I think it was the same group that did the bread championship. I think they just they decided we're going to. What? The Helms. Obscure the Helms outlet group. did they pick? Might they be the Helms that. Cup. That's what it is. Like that champion. You know, the made-up bread title. Did you get the, the student paper? Student yeah, paper rank of 11? Student paper. So, look, and I, I don't like the fact that it, you know, kind of was out of hand. I mean, 9-1. to one, But, I mean, you go lose games. Baseball America still has Greenville – uh, as a site to host in the top eight, meaning yeah. they would host a super regional ECU would, according to BNA's projections. Now, was that before the game yesterday? I don't know. I just checked it right there. I, I pulled a big hen. I pulled a big hen. I looked at my I looked at my text and I didn't. I just looked saw what I saw and I didn't do any delving further. They were unanimously by all outlets eight. Okay, coming into that game, so they were seven in this thing I just got. Yep. So here's the thing. Because of the way the conference is. Look, I, I get that would have been a big win. 
as far as your RPI and, and all that that goes into determining if you're going to be a top eight national seed. I get all that. But here's also what I saw when I, what I watched last night, and I went to bed because I was very tired. I'm old, and I was just exhausted. But I got up at like some ungodly hour, just woke up. <laughs> and so I, I went out, and I went to the living room, and I watched the rest of the game in the living room. They, I watched basically kind of where I picked up last night, where I left off, I picked back up. And this is my hot take. They, UNC Chapel Hill pitched better, way better. UNC Chapel Hill hit better. They hit a couple of homers. And everything that ECU hit, they got a glove on. I mean, there were plays deep in the hole they made. Yeah. They, they played great defense. That's going to happen. When you think about it, that's not necessarily a hot take. I mean, look at the score. Well, I was being a little facetious <laughs> yeah. there with yeah. my hot takery. But that was, you know, that that's my hot take on it. As you got later on in the game, it just, it seemed apparent to me that they were just ready to go home. They were ready to put this one in the bag and get ready for the weekend series against St. John's if that well, happens. You know, I'm, I, there might be some validity to that. You know, Cliff Godwin probably wouldn't like to hear that, and he would not admit to that. That's but, what I saw from the players. I'm not saying Godwin. No, no, I know what you're saying. But I'm just saying, you. I mean, 20 games, you're going to lose a game. And three of their four losses have been, what, on the road? Yeah. And look. Three pretty good programs. Yeah. Programs that will probably be uh, in, in. I mean, UNC's hosting one of these sites. I think the UNCW and this B of A thing, this projection, they have uh, they have them here. It sucks, but I can live with those losses. They're not, if you're going to take a loss, those are not bad ones to have. Yeah. The beauty of midweek losses is you get to go right back at it there on the go. weekend. Amen. Ben. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, they've got, uh, they have the uh, UNC wonderful uh, Seahawks coming back to Greenville for another uh, regional. Virginia Tech, North Carolina A&T. It's a great regional. Number seven, they got the Pirates as the number seven overall seed. Where are the Tar Heels? Number 14. Uh, South Carolina Coastal and Fordham in that regional. I do not see, and I'm just scanning through here, I do not see Old Dominion. Uh, and uh, I do not see as of yet uh, anything with uh, Georgia Southern. Doesn't mean they're not there. I'm just not going to spend my time reading uh, 16 yeah. different <laughs> regionals on uh, on radio. So there you go. Always anonymous text line says, however, UNCW and UNC Chapel Hill. I'm editorializing there were uh, booty kickings. Yes, they were. But that would that to me is the the concerning thing that it, they were a little bit of tail kickings. Other than that, you're going to lose games. And UNC just played worlds better in the blurry-eyed going to sleep, blurry-eyed when I woke up, completion of the game that I watched every uh, most every pitch of. That's my that's my hot take. Um, also, relax about the transfer portal. Go ahead, Steve. No, 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 no. We, <laughs> honest mistake. But I, I knew I knew just as soon as we. We're talking about that. That that you 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 would uh, you would have that. It was erroneously reported that Baruti, Batumba Baruti. You know, yeah, I'll give him the benefit of that. How many? I didn't know. Who knew there was another Baruti? What is the other Baruti's name? It's like Jonathan Baruti. Baruti. Uh, yes, it's, Jonathan Baruti. Jonathan Baruti at East Central University. ECU. Who knew? 
Who knew? Baruti out of ECU. Who knew there was another Baruti in college basketball? And I thought to myself, well, that makes sense. I could, you know, I, I, I'm sure that was a tough conversation. But and then you hear it was an erroneous report. Look, we've all been there. We've all made erroneous reports. I can see how that mistake can be made. That's a very weird coincidence. Jonathan Baruti. How about the fact that there are a couple of guys playing basketball? Both for schools with the initials of ECU, and they're both la- both their last names are Baruti. Baruti. Look up Jonathan Baruti's stats for me this year. Let's compare right. him to Batumba Baruti's stats. Let's do that. That's let, a, let me tell you now, I'm a Baruti fan. I, I know you are, but I, and, and, but this is a this is a stat to stat comparison. Uh, congratulations and best of luck to uh, Dayron Sharp. Uh, to nobody's surprise, Dayron Sharp is uh, entering the NBA draft, and I think that's great. You know. I think that's a cool thing that uh, Dayron Sharp has decided to go pro. Now, this this has made already what has been a hot rumor mill out of Chapel Hill that much hotter yeah. because the dominoes are starting to fall, and everybody else is going to be in the transfer portal, according to uh, all of the power brokers Baycott. in Chapel Hill. Well, Golf I mean, you hear Baycott may end up uh, either testing the NBA waters or, or entering the portal. And basically, everybody on their team, if you believe all the uh, the rumor mill, that everybody on their team's in. And By look, the way, Jonathan Brody, stud. What do you average? 13 points a game. Wow. We might need that, Brody. All right. What do you shoot? Give me some numbers on his shooting. Give me some Jonathan Brody numbers. 64%. What? All right, what do you shoot from three? Because, you know, our guy Batumba will step back and uh, take a three now. A little Batumba Brody action from behind the arc. Is this is this Jonathan Brody a three-point marksman? Like, no, uh, apparently it says here. <laughs> it says here he never attempted a three this year. So, Jonathan Brody plays within himself. <laughs> he knows where his range is. He shot sixty four percent and averaged thirteen. I'll take our Brody. He could play anywhere. He could play at five. He can play at point. Well, I don't know about that, but he can. He can. <laughs> he's a he's, he has a little versatility. It's clutch, uh, versatile uh, side to his game. Uh, you know, clutch. All right, that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. There. Oh, I love Baruti. And I love his name. His name's fun to Tumba say. Baruti. I love it, too, when I say it correctly. Uh, so there, there is that. Uh, no no uh, Batumba Baruti in the transfer portal as of yet. Uh, we got Mike Houston. They fired up uh, spring practice last week. They had uh, they had some uh, tackles. They had some pads on. They were making some tackles. We'll tackle football being played. Oh, Ben. Just confirmed, Mike Oresco joins the show tomorrow at uh, 5. Wow, okay. Mike Oresco will be along uh, with us tomorrow. So there's something to look forward to. A lot of questions. And look, I think there's a very legitimate chance that uh, the American could wind up with a team in the Final Four. With Houston. Houston. Yeah. I think Houston could very well uh, do it. I, I like the re- – I, I, they have two tough games. Because I do think whoever they uh, play in the Elite Eight, that's going to be a tie. It could be Loyola Chicago, and I think that's a tough matchup because that's a very efficient basketball team. Got Sister Jean on their side. That's big. That's true too. They have a little divine, uh, divine intervention there. Yep. But I think Syracuse clearly can't hit thirty threes, or the equivalent of thirty out of sixty threes. I mean, in other words, they're not going to shoot fifty percent from three against. Yeah, Daddy Ball's not going to last. They're not making it past the Daddy next round. Daddy Ball, listen to you. I don't like Syracuse. I don't By like way, Bayheim. I, I, I like, well, nobody does. I like this shirt you have on. Oh, it's thank a very you. fashionable. It's got a collar on it. It's it's, it's almost summer. It looks kind of uh, warm weatherish. I like it. I do like it. Okay, uh, let's take a break. We're just rambling on. But, uh, yeah, just the message today. Relax. 
Settle down. Baruti is still with us. Baruti's still with us, but b- the bigger thing with the Pirate Bay, the season's not over. Baseball's just fun. We're not even to the halfway point yet. Of the We're not even season. in conference play yet. Not even in conference? Exactly, Ben. Should they have played better? Sure. Is it bad to see them get beat 9-1, to one, drubbed? Absolutely. But that's going to happen. And look, wasn't like you went and played a bunch of slouches. That team's, that UNC's playing the best baseball of the season right now. Maybe should be ranked higher. Maybe. Well, maybe so. According to that, uh, according to the bread uh, Ray rankings, they're according number to 11. The student paper, right. they should according be ranked According to higher. the Daily Tario, they're number 11. But I'll tell you this. And, I mean, Cliff Godwin said as much the other day on the podcast. If you look at every team, everybody's older this year because they got a lot of guys back. And you're just, you're going to be better by just, you're going to be tougher by virtue of being older. Uh, Brian Mullen, just a little bit. We'll talk uh, NCAA tournament coaching matchups with him. Uh, maybe squeezing a little golf, get his takes and his thoughts on what's going on at Chapel Hill. Dayron Sharp again. Uh, the South Central product announced he's going to go pro. Test those NBA waters. Doubt he's coming back. I mean, you and I were talking about before we went on the uh, air here. Even if he isn't a lottery pick, he's still, because of his potential, certainly would, would be a, a first-round pick, one would think. And he's, I've seen by many outlets that it, under no circumstances he's coming. Is he coming back? Even if he right. doesn't get drafted, and you know what he's going to he'll he'll wind up in the G. The worst case scenario for him now is he winds up somewhere like the G League. Yeah, and that's there's very nothing wrong with that. Unlikely to happen, but that's the worst case. And so he gets paid to play basketball. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. All right, uh, let's break. Ben, uh, we'll come back do a little pirate report. Here from Mike Houston. Like I said, they broke out the pads yesterday. Uh, so we'll get some of Mike Houston's uh, comments from uh, several rounds of post-practice media uh, when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I see Squirrelbot in here, and I see him eating kind of food with a, oh my god. He says baklava, and he's, he's baklava. with a toothpick. He's using that as a utensil. Yeah, he is. He's an interesting guy. He said, he, what did he call Teddy Bridgewater? This is actually one of the funniest things he's ever said. He coined the phrase, two-possession Teddy. Doesn't really make makes sense. Makes no sense. <laughs> but I like it. It's, it's funny. oddly fitting. It I is like oddly it. fitting. Two possession Teddy for Teddy Bridgewater. That's good. That's good. Creative guy there. This guy will one day be the head writer for one of these I really see it. funny I see shows. It. And uh, we'll say we knew him when. We knew Squirrel Bont when. When he would eat baklava and smack in Ben's ear in the control room across the way. Uh, Mike Houston. Uh... Talks about the groups that have stood out so far. Let's play cut two. Let's start. I like that one. Let's start with that one. Well, I mean, I, I, I think the you know secondary, the stand-up kids on defense, the way they run to the ball, uh, and just the, you know the way they competed, I thought was really, really good. Uh, I thought the offense responded late in practice and in, in our in practice competition, just in the way they competed in, in a you know it's a three-on-three matchup. Um, uh, but I thought. Uh, you know, I thought, so I'd, I'd say some of the old linemen and the stand-up kids on defense. You know who looks the part is uh, DJ Ford, who played at UNC Chapel. Oh Hill. yeah, he looks the part. 
Uh, Coach Houston impressed with DJ Ford. Very well. He is long. He is rangy. Uh, he's smart. Um, you know, the thing that's been so impressive to me is just I spent a lot of time last week with that unit um, and just, you know, his preparation uh, in the meeting room, taking detailed notes, asking, you know, really good questions, um, just really preparing himself and then taking that to the field. And you can tell he's a savvy guy that's played a lot of snaps. Uh, but he had a very, very strong day today, um, had, had a big pick uh, during one of our competition settings. Um, and so I think he's, he's coming along really nicely. And, and the best thing about that is it's raised the level of play of the other guys in that room. You know, that's a competition. Competition brings up the best in everybody. That was, uh, that was a little bit of a head fake. You almost got me. You actually did get me on that. Thought he was done? Psych. I thought he was done. And see, I'd have gone for the fake and fouled him to, to steal a little uh, parlance from March Madness. And one. I, I wouldn't have let him know. I, he would not have scored. I'd, nope. have, I'd have bear hugged By him. any means necessary, he's scoring. No, they, I'm gonna, if I'm going to foul you on the head fake, you're not going to score. You're not getting the ball up. <laughs> you might close on him. Not maybe, but you're going to – they're going to go to the, the monitor for review. I'll tell you that. It's <laughs> going to be a play on the ball. They might even make the wrong call. Well, they might. They might. Um, Coach Houston on where – the Pirates are looking to improve during this spring ball uh, season, which, of course, they didn't have last year. I think consistency. Um, you know, I think that uh, I think you're going to see us play at times. You know, I would I would anticipate, you know, again, showing improvement over last year's defensive front. So I think you're going to see some times where we're going to play pretty well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm three days into spring practice saying that. But I just, I just, I, I really believe in this bunch. Um, you know, the things that hurt us last year was inconsistency. You know, giving up big plays. Giving up big runs, um, you know, not being able to put enough pressure on the offense at times. So I think those things right there are the things that we got to continue to correct. I think the consistency piece and some of the big plays piece will that will improve just with the second year in the scheme uh, and an improved uh, ability just from development. Uh, and I think that uh, you know just continuing to uh, you know to improve our ability to put pressure on the offense. That was got me again. You're right. Uh, Houston, uh, Coach Houston talking about the offensive line for the Pirates. I might. Yeah, I might foul out. This is, uh, I, I did say I was a good defender, Ben. Point guard and a power, or power forward and a point guard's body. But I am, uh, I, I will hack you. I'm a, I'm a hack. All right, uh, Coach Houston on the offensive line. Well, that's been frustrating because Fernando's out and, and, and Trent's out. Now we expect both of them to make it back. Um, hopefully Trent will make it back at some point during the spring. Uh, but that's two experienced centers that, you know, we don't have out there right now. So, you know, the positive is you're, you're working some other guys at center. Um, so you're going to see, you know, multiple guys snapping, and that's going to be positive for the fall. Um, sure, I mean, it, it, it caused some issues a little bit during, during the early part of team today uh, because the first time that some of those guys had a live guy right in front of them while trying to snap a ball. So, uh you know, just got to continue to work through that. But, uh, you know, long-term, we'll get them back. Short-term, it's, it's going to be something we'll have to deal with. This is uh, Coach used to talking about Holton's reps in practice and how that's been managed so far. Well, I mean, obviously there's going to be more guys in Holton to get reps in the first unit. But, you know, let's talk about him first. I mean, he is in the best physical shape that I've seen. He's slimmed down some. He's really worked on his flexibility. He's more explosive. He's faster. I mean, he has noticeably uh, improved his body and his uh, athleticism since uh, since the fall. Um, it was something that we like we talked about with Big John and, and Donnie and Holton. You know, this is this is what he needs to do. 
um, and he's worked his tail off. And so uh, it's great to have a guy like that, you know, a veteran that, that we all, I was about to say I believe in, but I think we all believe in. Uh, he's the leader of our team. He's the leader of our offense. But, you know, you got four of the guys, we, we, need, we need to get reps. And so, you know, hopefully get his reps and he'll get his work. Uh, but I think it's very important that we really develop those other guys. And so they'll get a lot of work. Uh, and then uh, this is uh, Coach talking about the evolution of the Pirate offense. Well, I mean, you know, the first thing that stands out is I, I think we've got a chance to be pretty good up front. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we're continuing to build that group, but uh, we have some depth, uh, we have size, uh, you know, we have ability. So I think that group's going to continue to improve, uh, just like we watched it uh, for the first uh, year and a half here. Um, you know, yeah, we, we, we need to make a more concerted effort to use the tight end because we've got talent in that room. You know, I, I'm really excited about Shane Calhoun, and I thought he had a great day today. He's kind of a, he's the guy that can kind of do everything, but we have some other guys in there too. Uh, you know, I've got confidence in. So um, our receiver group, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of confidence in that group because you're returning a lot of veteran uh, playing experience right there. And, uh, and I think we all know what we have in the running back room. Uh, I know we're a little thin on numbers there right now but uh you know we got quality and uh we got some more quality coming in this summer all right um we're getting a little tight on time here time is tight as uh, booker t and the mgs once played but uh let's go with uh, cut seven ben on the vast soundbite roster the team effort has come a long way since uh, coach houston first arrived and he uh, said as much the other day there's no comparison i mean it's night and day um i think that you know things that stand out I think uh, the size of our fronts, uh, noticeably if you, if you compare that first spring to now, I think overall team speed, uh, I think is something that probably stands out compared to that first practice. Um, and then just attitudes and effort. I mean, that's, you know, it's, yeah, the expectation is they're, they're gonna go full speed. I mean, it's, you're not sitting out there trying to coach effort. You can coach technique and coach fundamentals because the effort's there, so. Um, it's an enjoyable, it was an enjoyable afternoon. All right, that's uh, today's Pirate Report. Mike Houston, uh, comments from him from uh, early spring practices so far. Spring game coming up uh, mid-April. We're going to talk some hoops with Brian Mull and a little golf maybe back in. Uh, but uh, let's go to Ben Byram right now because we've got to get Mull at the bottom of the hour. So here he is uh, with an update what is happening uh, on the world of sports. We can tell you that Baruti did enter the transfer portal from ECU, but it's an altogether different Baruti. Uh, plus, there's big news involving a local kid declaring for the NBA draft. In case you missed it, here's Ben with an update. Thanks, Patrick. We start with college basketball. Latarios lose another key freshman in South Central alum, Dayron Sharp. Sharp announced that he will be entering the 2021 NBA draft. The sources close to the situation confirmed that he tends to stay in the draft and is not open to the possibility of returning to Chapel Hill. And after South Granville product Bobby Pettiford Jr. decommitted from Louisville, there have been many rumblings that a few elite college programs have reached out over Zoom to Pettiford. The latest teams that have reached out confirmed by the media outlet Stock Risers include Kansas and Providence. From the NBA, LaMelo Ball underwent wrist surgery for a fracture in his right wrist, and after seeking a second opinion, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports that Ball is unlikely to return to the lineup this season as the Hornets currently hold the sixth seed in the East. Meanwhile, as we continue to the countdown to the NBA trade deadline, apparently there are reports that the Toronto Raptors have been entertaining offers for six-time All-Star point guard Kyle Lowry 
and forward Norman Powell. From college football, a little bit of interesting development from the Big Ten as we prepare for the upcoming season with fans. The conferences decided to allow its schools to determine how many fans they want in attendance. From the NFL, Carolina Panthers defensive end F.A. Obata signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Quarterback Joe Flacco signs a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles for $3.5 million. He's got a chance to prove he's really a leader or not. Tampa Bay extends the contract of offensive tackle Donovan Smith and brings back defensive tackle Ndamukong Sue on a one-year deal worth $10 million. Running back James White agrees on a one-year deal to stay with New England. Ex-Chiefs running back Damian Williams agrees to a one-year deal with the Chicago Bears. And wide receiver T.Y. Hilton is returning the Colts on, take a wild guess, a one-year deal worth $10 million. Here at 94th City Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Byron. And Pirates. Boy, there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Johnson Show rolling on. Uh, thanks for being with us here. We turn our attention to uh, some hoop now. Brian Maul, our friend, uh, writer at large, part of, part of the Joe Lenardi team. Come March, he'll be in Augusta as well, covering the Masters. Might squeeze in a little golf talk uh, here. Who knows? Uh, Brian, how's it going? Doing well, Patrick. Hope you are uh, enjoying the uh, this tournament, which has been quite exciting. I had read today early 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 this morning that the average seed is the highest i believe it's been maybe ever but certainly in a number of years in other words we have sort of more improbable sweet 16 participants based on their seed does that mean that the committee got it wrong in in a year where it was probably tough to get it right um no I don't believe that. I do think there were a couple of teams that were very difficult to seed. Uh, Loyola Chicago should have been higher than an eight, but when you really dig into their resume, uh, they didn't have a lot of opportunities outside of their conference, and they didn't they didn't really win any significant games. So I get I get why they were where they were. It's just unfortunate, really, for Illinois that they had to play a team as good as Loyola Chicago in the second round. Um, but for the most, and some of the Pac-12 schools were, it was just a challenge to, to identify them properly. But, you know, I also look at it this way of the Sweet 16, uh, eight are in Kim Palm's top 11. So, uh, while there's some outliers and some, and, and some teams that, uh, were, were hard to peg, you know, I think we've got the best 16 teams or close to it right now. Yeah. Let's still play it. Gotcha. No, I, I think you've got the 16 that are playing the best basketball right now. I mean, that, that seems like a little bit of an oxymoron, but, you know, sometimes a one might not have played its best game uh, in the second round and got through, or a higher seed even, but I think these these teams right now are, are probably playing the best basketball uh, by and large across the board. I wanted to do kind of just a coaching matchup with you uh, on on each one of these games really quick, and we don't have to take a ton of time. One way or the other, you either have covered or know uh, these head coaches or somebody on their staff. 
Uh, so you you have pretty good insight into this. I guess we'll just start with the West since Gonzaga is the overall number one seed and, and the coaching matchup with Gonzaga and Creighton. Um, yeah, excellent matchup there between Mark Few and, and McDermott. Both have, uh, you, you know, if you still consider Gonzaga a mid-major, two of the best in at that level. Creighton, of course, now in the Big East, so, so neither one of them is really a mid-major. But, um, I, you know, you give a slight nod to Few. But uh, two two excellent tacticians and program builders right there. All right, uh, and then in the bottom half of that bracket, which uh, you think might be, end up being the game of the of the Sweet Sixteen, uh, Andy Infield at USC. We remember him from Dunk City many many moons ago, and then Dana Altman, who probably doesn't get enough credit at Oregon. Yeah, I mean Dana Altman was the guy who laid the blueprint at Creighton before heading west to Oregon, and uh, every year it seems like you, you know when they get to the tournament. They have such an interesting team. They're so athletic and he and can switch everything on defense. And um, that's that's the two other top notch guys that obviously don't get as much credit on the East Coast. And um, but certainly that should be. I, I'd give a slight edge to Altman, but not by much. All right, uh, Brian Mole with us here. I'm just having him kind of lay out the coaching matchups because uh, these coaches uh, have all done a great job, obviously in the first two rounds, Juwan Howard's having a great, uh, here at Michigan. And then Leonard Hamilton, who has led Florida state, the three straight sweet 16s when the tournament's been played. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue, uh, against either one of those guys. Uh, the knock on Leonard for years was a uh, good recruiter. Couldn't, uh, you know, always translate that talent to the court, but you certainly can't say that uh, consistently over the last few years. They've been one of the better ACC teams, uh, you know, more reliable when you come to the tournament. And certainly Juwan Howard is assisted by, uh, you know, his 20 years of experience playing the NBA, his time on some uh, Spolstra's bench, and then also having a, a, leg- a legendary basketball guy like Phil Martelli with wealth of experience. So uh, that's a really intriguing matchup there. I call that one a, a toss-up yeah. from, from the sideline standpoint. Point. I mean, two two really sharp staffs there. Martelli, by the way, year decades actually at St. Joe's. Okay, uh, Mick Cronin. We talked about this a little bit with Cy Seymour yesterday, and the culture that Cronin has brought out to UCLA, and then uh, Nate Oates at Alabama, who I know you're very high on. Yeah, I mean, all the pundits, you know, all the all the so-called experts who've never made a basket were questioning the Mick Cronin hire. He's not a West Coast guy. Well, maybe they needed somebody that was not a West Coast guy. They needed somebody to bring in a little bit of toughness, a little bit of defensive mentality to try to get UCLA back to uh, certainly never will get back to where it was, but but back to being one of the top eight or ten programs in the in the country. And and I think he's had has them headed in that direction. Nate Oates. Uh, I love him. I'm a former high school math teacher, uh, embraces modern analytics. They shoot threes and layups and play great defense. Uh, you know, Cronin has the experience edge, but uh, maybe the innovation edge goes to Oates there. All right, uh, let's go to the south. Uh, Baylor and then Jay Wright, Villanova. This will be short and sweet. Jay Wright's the best college basketball coach in America. Period. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't mean they're gonna. That doesn't mean that Villanova is gonna beat Baylor. Baylor has a better talent yeah. this year. Right. You know, Villanova's lost its leading scorer and point guard, Colin Gillespie, right before the tournament. And while they were able to mask his absence last week, I mean, that's going to be a difficult piece to you know not have going into a, a very talented top two Baylor team. But uh, but Jay Wright's the best college basketball coach in America. So uh, the other half of the South bracket, the Sweet 16, Arkansas 
and Oral Roberts. And I couldn't pick Oral Roberts coach out of a, a lineup. He could come in with a shirt with his name on it. I still wouldn't know who he is. But I know Eric Musselman at Arkansas is a nut. He he is he's a live wire. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, to be embedded with their team when he was the coach at Nevada a few years ago, and they were in the Atlanta Regional and uh, spent about 72 hours behind the scenes with them going to practices and their meetings and shoot-arounds, and it was my first real encounter with him, and I was very impressed with his, uh, with his organization and his uh, basketball intelligence and just his amount of energy. I don't think he slept. I don't think he sleeps. I think he's awake and doing something all the time. He works out three hours a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. He'll be ready, Eric Musselman. Uh, he, he will be ready for every scenario, and, and he has a very talented team, so certainly he gets the edge there over Paul Mills. Paul Mills is the Oral Roberts coach. Gotcha. Uh, Paul Mills. Casey comes by. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hope he will. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Porter Moser fan with Loyola Chicago, uh, but Oregon State's got, I mean, look, Oregon State's been in five straight elimination games and won them all. That's right. And th there's a lot of, uh, you know, this time of the year, confidence and momentum are important. And uh, this Oregon State crowd is as confident as anyone. But but Porter Moser is a rising star in the business. Uh, he, he didn't jump at the first opportunity a couple of years ago after they went to the Final Four. And I think you have to appreciate that and respect that. And, and look, you know, he has them right back knocking on the door of, of another, you know, incredible run through the tournament. So uh, Porter Moser, for what he's built there and what he's sustained there, I think it's easy to do it once as a Cinderella, but to, to have them back in position to do it again is pretty impressive. All right, Brian Moles with us here. Uh, coaching matchup, uh, then I want to get on to some other things. Uh, but Syracuse and Houston, whether you like Bayheim or not, and no one does, uh, and then Calvin Sampson, obviously, what he's done at Houston is remarkable. Yeah, that's um, what an intriguing game. I mean, this game, I I've been looking at it a little bit this week, and I can't figure out if it's going to be 52 to 50 or 92 to 90. Um, probably closer to the former than the latter. But, yeah, I mean, look what Calvin Sampson's done. I mean, each year kind of building it up. They've lost some guys. You kind of forget about them, write them off a little bit. And, and here they are uh, – legit opportunity to make the final four out of this bracket, but still have to give the edge to Bayheim. Now, Bayheim's a great coach when his team makes 29 of 57 right. three-pointers, right. Yeah. which is what happened in the first two games last week too. But, but certainly that zone, we all know about it, uh, is very difficult to prepare for. I think Houston has a little bit of an edge getting a couple extra days. Um, that, that's a great, great matchup between two very highly successful coaches. All right. Give me your final four out of uh, next weekend. If you, if you were, <laughs> We're picking, and we'll get with you next week after it's all said and done. But give me your final four, right? Well, I've, I've, I, I, I fortunately have three teams still alive, so I'm going to stick with them: Gonzaga uh, to to emerge out of the West, um, Arkansas to win the South, and Alabama to win the East. And I'm going with uh, I'm going with Loyola over Houston in a, in a nail biter uh, in the Midwest. Okay, we're going to stop there for now. Brian Mole with us. He's going to hang through the break. We'll come back. Talk about what's going on at UNC. Not only Dayron Sharp entering the NBA draft, which a lot of people expected the South Central product to do, but we are looking at uh, Kessler and possibly others rumored. Hot takes. Uh, Brian Mull, not a hot take guy, but we'll uh, talk to Mull about the new normal for college basketball and how it's influencing things at Chapel Hill. We might squeeze in a little golf talk all before the top of the hour. It is the Patrick Johnson Show. 
online or on the go. Love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day. You need to. Tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Ahoy, mateys! To keep those cars clean, you need the Pirate's Cove Fast Pass. The new Pirate's Cove Car Wash and Haviland Express Lube on Glen Burnie Road in Newburn is now open. Pirate's Cove in Newburn is offering Fast Passes for $9.99 for new Fast Pass customers. You can visit us in Greenville on Fire Tower Road, Memorial Drive, and on East 10th Street. And have you heard? Pirate's Cove on Fire Tower Road is now offering interior cleaning. So we have you surrounded. Pirate's Cove, the official car wash partner of ECU Athletics. Hi, I'm Brad Keselowski, driver number two, discount tire Ford Mustang. If there's one thing I've learned after years on the track, it's that having the right amount of pressure in your tires can make or break performance. Properly inflated tires are essential to the health of your car and to keep you driving safely. Check your tire pressure once a month, especially before road trips, or stop by your neighborhood tire retailer for help. A message from the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association. When a loved one, your father, your sister, your aunt, your grandparent, is facing a cancer diagnosis, you want them to have access to the most promising cancer treatments available. I'm Sonequa Martin-Green, and when my mother was diagnosed with cancer, our world changed forever. I wanted to know that she was getting the best treatments available. This experience made me so passionate about spreading awareness of treatment options, including clinical trials. That's why I'm joining Stand Up To Cancer to get information to the people who need it most, those who have been diagnosed with cancer and their loved ones. Clinical trials introduce new hope for patients, providing access to cutting edge and potentially life-saving new treatments, while patients receive the best current care or treatments available. My hope is that all people diagnosed with cancer have access to effective treatments that will make them long-term survivors, like my mom. Talk to your doctor to see if a clinical trial may be the best choice for you or a loved one. To learn more, visit standuptocancer.org forward slash clinical trials today. Having repairs done in your apartment should never come with strings attached, like being harassed and constantly pressured for sexual favors. My leaky faucet turned into the maintenance man asking, when are we going to get to know each other better? I needed my air conditioner fixed, but my building manager repeatedly kept coming into my apartment unannounced and without permission. My landlord told me my rent would be free if I gave him something in exchange. Sexual harassment by anyone associated with your housing isn't just wrong, it's against the law. The Fair Housing Act protects you from harassment, including someone making unwelcome sexual advances or refusing to make repairs because you deny sexual favors. If this happens to you, you can stop it by filing a complaint with HUD. So I called HUD and filed a complaint against my building manager. No strings attached. Fair Housing. The law is on your side. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash Fair Housing. That's HUD.gov slash Fair Housing. If you fear for your safety, call 911. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Brian Mull is uh, with us uh, here. I want to get into uh, a little bit of, uh, just a tiny bit of golf. But I really want to talk about the situation at UNC because it does seem like right now that uh, the social media has has taken over. And there seems to be a little more emphasis put on what's being said by parents who, let's face it, I mean, they're 
they're of a generation. They use social media. The parents of these players do. That they're a social media generation. So of course they're on social media, um, especially Twitter. But you know, the, the Kessler thing is a little surprising, I guess, because it seemed like he got caught up in a couple COVID contact tracing deals and got was behind, you know, from just a development perspective the whole way. But I mean, if we if you believe everything that's coming out and rumored to come out, I know you've even done a little digging on this. Uh, you know, and I don't know where you are as far as wanting to to go public with it, but let's just you know say that everything that's rumored to happen happens. I mean, this is almost uh, like a turnover of the whole roster in a way in Chapel Hill. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario, and it, and it's uh, nobody wants to hear it, but it's possible uh, based on what I've heard from multiple independent sources, you know, they haven't been talking to one another. Uh, they, this Kessler's departure was not surprising. His, uh, he and his father and kind of see himself as in playing in a different role. Uh, you know, more of the modern stretch four, if you will, or stretch five or, you know, away from the basket shooting, which is not really a, a there's not really a role for that in the North Carolina offense per se. Um, and, the rift, perhaps, you know, veteran coaches like to play their veteran players, and sometimes your more talented players are your younger players. I think that caused a bit of a rift as well. Look, I mean, it was a difficult year for everybody, but interesting point about this. I mean, this has never happened in Chapel Hill. They've rarely had anyone transfer in the last 15 years under Roy, and I was talking to a, a, another low-major, mid-major uh, head coach about it a little bit yesterday, and, and – you know, he said, I don't wish it on anyone, but but it it should open the eyes of the public that it can happen to anyone if it happens there, because they live with that reality every single day of some of a program coming in and being able to. So, you know, it's just kind of a reflection of where we're at. And, uh, you know, you give a, a, you know, having the opportunity to not sit out is very appealing if, if you're not happy with your situation. See, I think that plays a lot into it this year. I think you're going to have a lot of guys that might have decided all right i'm gonna come back give it one more year because if i do transfer i I don't only have to sit out but then you got to start over this is more what these kids are accustomed to doing i mean if you don't like this aau team this week next weekend you're on a different aau team that's their world right now we have two factors in play that have never been in play before that this was a free year it didn't count Okay, and, and you don't have to sit out, so it's like a double win for the player, and I'm okay with it. I mean, look, it's been a tough year. They made a lot of sacrifices. You only get to go to college once. So for a lot of these kids, it's their future, and and uh, you know they have to try to maximize their their potential for the next level and their earnings. I understand all of that, and I don't begrudge them any of it. But people just need to hold on and watch and wait and see what happens because uh, there's close to a thousand names in the transfer portal already and it's not going to slow down anytime soon i mean it's going to be phenomenal by the time the dust settles on that thing um how many players are out there looking looking around and some of them may come back and most of them won't but um it's uh it's really a wild time in college basketball for everybody involved i mean coaches really wake up every morning just like everybody else and look at that thing and see who's in there um, I had a, a coach last week tell me that his best player was he was 95 percent sure he was coming back. He had a couple three years left of eligibility. Uh, I, I looked on the internet yesterday and he had declared for the portal. So there you go. Brian Mole with us uh, here, college basketball uh, writer. Let me ask you uh, this 
one more thing with UNC. You know, there's, there's, and this has sort of been a thing since, uh, you know, I don't know, four or five years ago. Roy Williams needs to retire. Now, I, you know, I'm not a Roy Williams fan, but the guy can coach. You know, I'll give the devil his due. The guy can coach. But the, the thing is this, it wasn't like they were great last year. You know, just because there wasn't a tournament doesn't mean UNC fans have forgotten 19 losses. How much of that is fueling this whole thing now? This, the, look, we had a terrible year the year before, and this year we tip your hat at Wisconsin, but just wasn't a great year by UNC standards. No, it wasn't. And I mean, that's two back-to-back years. And how many times has that happened in the history of the program? Uh, it hasn't, you know, <laughs> since going back to the early days of Dean Smith. Like, they've never – they've rarely had a bad year. And when they have, they've usually come back with a very good year um, the following season. And uh, probably the last year of uh, Doherty and the first year of, of Roy there, you know, would be the be the, the – well, an example of that, but uh, – you know, people are frustrated. Duke and Carolina fans both are frustrated, and uh, they don't see their teams playing and making the progress, and they're wondering why. And basketball is changing. I mean, you watch games, and there's six eleven guys, you know, on the perimeter, and, and nobody in, under the basket. And I mean, you just have to, you have to kind of. That's the way kids want to play: open court and, and taking threes, and, and and you see it, and it's fun to watch. And uh, you know, you just. Um, there's, there's a reason, if you're a fan of one of those two programs, to be a little dis- disgruntled. We have Brian Mull with us. I want to work in a little bit of golf talk this week. Match play, which you seem to really like, uh, taking place this week in Austin, Texas. And uh, this this is sort of reminiscent of March Madness in a way. Well, every once in a while, you know, I mean, I, I think a 72-hole golf tournament uh, gives the best representation of, of who's in charge of all their faculties for a week, but <laughs> the match play is exciting and it gives an opportunity to anybody who can get hot for the week and get on a little bit of a roll and, um, you know, kind of become one with the golf course and, and it doesn't matter who they're playing and, you know, all the best players are there. They, they've kind of structured it where, uh, you know, the, the, the top seeds have the best chance assuming you know they're consistent over three rounds that they'll, they'll get out of their group but look yeah i mean you got the top 70 guys in the in one round anything can happen i mean the, the number 1000 guy in the in the world rankings could beat the number one guy in one round of golf now is he going to beat him over four days no but that's what makes it exciting so it should be fun had a, had some great winners with this format i mean you know guys you would expect to win and then uh you know, I also had some some less likely champions. So, good little tune up, and then a week off, week kind of a slow week, and then uh, get ready to hear that song. You uh, you're headed back to Augusta. Uh, yes, I am. All right, any, very very grateful. Any news that we need to uh, pass along? A couple weeks out, any anything with that that is of interest? Um, you know, there will be patrons. Uh, not uh, full capacity by any stretch, but a bit of limited capacity and, uh, you know, thorough testing procedures and, um, that everything I think from a, from a viewing standpoint will be as good as it was in the fall, as far as uh, the expanded, uh, online coverage and being able to watch every shot. If you so choose of a certain player, uh, you know, I, I, there will not be a par three tournament or par three contest, excuse me, again this year, just for, uh, you know, that's something they do for the, 
for the patrons in that area over there where the golf courses is really small and uh, yeah. very, it just wouldn't be conducive to any type of social distancing. So, uh, well, let, let me ask you, yeah, this, well, let me ask you this really quick. CBS has yeah. changed the way they do their golf uh, presentation on television, which a lot of it I like. I like the fact that there is a score, you know, a, a, a leaderboard, I should say, up the entire time. Does mm-hmm. that change mm-hmm. with Augusta? Because Augusta controls every aspect of that telecast. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, you're right. Augusta will be will be calling that shot, and I would. Uh, it will be, you know, it's been interesting going back and watching some of the the replays of the final rounds through the years, how the graphics have improved and changed, and uh, but still stayed pretty uh, pretty subdued in general. You know, very few even highlights and replays of of. Uh, of shots and that's just kind of the way they like to present it. So uh, I, I would imagine that leaderboard uh, will not be up there all the time, but maybe up there a, a little, you know, more frequently, frequently than it would have been in the past. Brian, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good one. That's Brian Mull. Thanks to him for being with us. Good to talk a little golf. Good to talk uh, a lot of hoops. Big story of the day. Dayron Sharp deciding to enter the NBA draft. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Uh, we'll uh, have the show for you on the big pod so you can check it out and uh, hear what we had to say about that. Uh, one thing we did not get to I wanted to mention. Did you see, Ben, where Mike Tyson, I guess, tweeted out? It's official. I did. I did see that. He and Holyfield? Be him and Holyfield 4 now? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Part 4. What do you think of that? I it's whatever. Okay. It's whatever. You I think mean, it's uh, just a couple of old exhibition guys in a, in a payday? Yeah, none of it matters, really. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'll watch it, but it's whatever. Yeah, we'll talk about that more another day when we get, I guess, closer to it or whatever. But I, I remember watching the fight where he bit holy. I think they started up that whole kind of Legends-only league with the Boxing Legends or whatever mm-hmm. with that fight in mind. Yeah. So... We'll see and how they it made goes. it happen. Yeah, they there made it happen. So All we'll right. see how it works out. Uh, ben Byram there. Thanks to Brian Mull. Uh, thanks to Squirrelbot. I don't know where he went, but thanks to him. He was. Oh, he's got the football. Yeah, Edenton. Edenton Aces. Yeah, Edenton Aces playing on what? 103.7. You got it. Top in just minutes. The docile tones of Tommy Bass on the commentary. Hot damn. All right. Uh, we uh, will greet you tomorrow. Patrick Johnson Show. <laughs>